Hey, hey, what's going on, my man? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm your host, Athea Sam. Uh, today, we are sitting down with none other than Tim Ferrara. And uh, this is a, a friend of mine. We we actually connected about a year ago when I launched my book. And he was kind enough to have me on his podcast, which was called Discerning Dad at the time. He's since rebranded and we kind of get into all of that. But what we uh, what we discussed today, Tim and I kind of have inverse career paths. Uh, he started out in the business world and has made a shift into local church, full-time ministry over the last five years. And uh, those of you that have been following know that I did the opposite. I started out in local church ministry as a pastor and about five years ago began to make a shift into the marketplace. And so we kind of had a cool cross-sectional conversation about local church heart, uh, why men need discernment, how to make good decisions. We talked a lot about kind of local church and, and should the church be involved in, in someone's recovery and why is the church falling short and where are people kind of missing out on, you know, the, the value that church provides. Um, and then, you know, we tapped into some of his discerning dad content because he's been servicing dads um, through, you know, different programs, his podcasts, and a whole bunch of other uh, platforms for many years now. And so I, I liked kind of his approach to helping dads make decisions. And I don't know about you. I'm a new father. I'm a business owner. I have family nearby. I'm trying to have a healthier marriage. And so I just find that there's, you know, time and time again, um, my need for ways to improve my decision making and uh, and everything that comes with it. And so um, I know you're going to get a lot of value from this. This is practical. This is philosophical. And it's a little bit of everything in between. Without further ado, here's my interview with Tim Ferrara. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Okay, well, I'm here with Tim Ferrara, and uh, Tim, it's really good to have you on here. You and I connected about a year ago when I had released my book, and you were kind enough to have me on your podcast, and I'm glad I can return the favor, man. Welcome to the show. Awesome to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Great to connect with you. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. So you uh, you have had a podcast for many years called Discerning Dad, and really hit excuse me hit on some interesting subjects. And then I know more recently you rebranded, you brought in things a little bit. Um, but I am curious, what what kind of drew you to to serving dads in the first place when that was your focus? Yeah, you know, for me, it was back in 2018. I was in the business world and God was calling me to full-time ministry. And so I didn't know what that meant at the time. And so what I did is I start stepping out in small things. So the first thing was, it was almost a download from heaven during a church service on a Sunday morning. I remember it very, very clearly when I got the the name Discerning Dad and to start an online ministry to start a blog. And I, I knew nothing about how to even create a website at that time. And so it started me on this process of, you know, brainstorming, uh, taking a bunch of notes on what that might look like, writing things down. I never thought would happen, like potentially a book or potentially a podcast. So I still have that journal of just kind of coming home and brainstorming of some things that God implanted in me. And it would take years for some of that stuff to come to fruition, but little steps at a time, writing a blog, having maybe 10 people read it, and then just kind of growing from there, you know, to the point where having discerning dad as my title meant that I was focusing on discernment. And discernment was something that was not often talked about in Christian circles, where I heard it at least a lot was in Catholicism or in the New Age. Those are kind of the two buckets that I would see it pushed online. And discernment for me was something that I really wanted to make sure that I'm focusing on helping people make decisions that honor God and lead them down a path of blessing in their life. Because we make decisions every day, thousands of decisions every day. And not every one of those decisions is going to be some giant thing that we need to pray and fast about. But there are critical decisions in our life. And sometimes there's maybe one or two a day when we do need the help from the Holy Spirit to be able to make sure we make a decision that honors God and puts us down that path of blessing for our life. And so that led me down a trajectory of blogging writing books, doing the podcast. And so it's been a, it's been a cool journey. And there's a, a part in there too, where God called me out of the business world that I was in for 24 years to be a full-time pastor now. And so it really was just these small steps, these small open doors that God had for me where I said yes to them. And God's like, all right, now 
we can give you a little more, we can give you a little more. And then uh, it's cool to look back on it because in the time you don't ever see the the future, you know, you just kind of see where God's leading you towards and seeing his hand over it makes me excited for what God has next. Because I know that if I'm in his will, if I'm trusting him, if I'm being led by him, that he'll lead me along a path uh, that is for his glory. And to be used by God is something that is a joy for me to do. Yeah, that's really cool, man. That's really, really cool. It's interesting. And it's funny how God works in people's lives individually, because in 2018, God was calling me out of full-time ministry into the business world. And so (laughs) you and I, we probably crossed paths at some point, didn't even realize it. Um, And it was very similar. Like it started off very small, very innocent, and it was a gradual thing. And it started to grow little by little. Um, until I found myself doing it full time a couple of years ago. So it's, it's, it is really cool to see that journey. And I like what you said about discernment. I wanted to ask you another question about it because I think in the times we live in right now, uh, there's, I mean, you could argue there's never been a greater need for discernment. I'm sure every generation says that, but I think we can agree there's certainly a need for it, regardless of whether it's greater or less than others. Um, what kind of, what kind of things are you encouraging guys to do in making decisions? in their lives, you know, cause, uh, I know for me, I'm, I'm realizing just being a new dad now, how, how much more complicated decisions start to get. Because, uh, I remember when I was single, I was like, you know, you still make complicated life decisions, but it's only you. Then you get married. There's another person. Yeah. Um, and now it's not just a third person, but it's a third person who's expecting me to kind of lead him and show him the way and, um, and everything that comes with it. So I, I guess I'm just, I, I mean, this is a broad question and I have to imagine there's probably some specifics to get into as well, but just, do you have any general advice for for dads or for men in general that are trying to make decisions in this very crazy and complex world we live in? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that I look back and I look at different generations and the problems they faced and even the problems in the Bible, right, of sin and the problems that, you know, what if we could just learn from the past, right? What if we could just learn in relationships, in how we live our life? What if we could just learn from the mistakes that humans have made and sometimes have racked their lives over and just learn from that and not make the same mistakes twice. And the frustrating part is that every generation seems to make the same mistakes because it is a sin problem. It's not a knowledge problem. It's not a wisdom problem. It's a problem with obedience to the word of God, because we have a manual that tells us exactly what to do in the Bible, but oftentimes parsing that out in our life and figuring out exactly what that means. Cause it's not going to say, you know, the Bible doesn't say, okay, Tim, marry this person, right. Or Tim, take this job, but it does give you practical wisdom on how to seek after God. And when I look at the sermon, I look at three aspects that are really important in making those decisions is number one, the word of God. We have to be in the word. We have to have the word inside of us and we have to be led by the Holy Spirit is number two. And we have to have godly relationships in our life that can spur us on where we can learn wisdom from mentors who have gone before us, who maybe have made those mistakes, who we can listen to because the hard part of being a young person is often thinking anyone 10 years older, 10 years plus older than you, uh, I'm just not going to listen to them because they're old, right? That's the Mm -hmm. stigma we sometimes give the older generations, not really realizing they have a ton of wisdom, not that they will share everything, you know, hundred percent accurate, but that what if I just listen to my grandparents? What if I listen to my parents and just learn from them, take the good, you know, and then don't listen to the bad, you know, cause sometimes there's not going to be great advice from every generation, of course. But yeah. if we look at godly relationships, godly mentors in our life, pastors, people that we can rely on to say, hey, I'm dealing with this problem. I'm dealing with this potential uh, fork in the road where I don't know where to go. What do you think? This is what I am I think God's telling me. But what would you think is the right thing to do? And then going back to the Holy Spirit, being led by those decisions, right? Because if we are in the word, if we are Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. And so activating the Holy Spirit is as simple as in the moment when you want to yell at your kids or in the moment when you want to, you know, make a rash business decision or do something unethical to be able to say, okay, breathe. Okay. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this moment? What are you leading me to do? Right. Simple five, 10 seconds is sometimes all it takes to just hear from God and be able to react in a, in a positive manner because sin is often a reaction, right? Anger, lust, things like that is often a reaction to stimuli, a reaction to things where we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And my favorite verse is Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to discern God's perfect and pleasing will for you. Mm, So there is a promise if you discern that you can know God's perfect and pleasing will. And so often the question is, I just want to know God's will. If I knew God's will, I would do it. 
well, don't be conformed to the, to the world. Be transformed in your mind, in your thinking. And it's not a one-time thing in salvation. It is a continual daily thing because the world seeps in, the enemy, Satan, demons will seep into our mind and get us to question things. That's what the yeah. uh, our enemy does best. He'll get you to question your identity. He'll get you to question what God says. He'll get you to question where God has you in your life and get you on the wide and not the narrow path. And so all that to say, discernment is so key. It's not just like, okay, I made a great decision, you know, two years ago. Now I'm set. It is something we have to be continually. That's why my podcast, Eyes on Jesus, right? Eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who our focus is. That's who our standard is. Because our standard cannot be other Christians, other people. Well, at least I made better decisions than my parents. Or at least I'm not doing this. Or at least I'm not sinning like this Christian. Our standard needs to be Jesus. Too often our standard is so low for ourselves that we just settle. And uh, Jesus is not calling us to settle. He's calling us to be perfect as he is perfect. Are we ever going to be perfect? No, not until eternity. But that's still our goal. And when we mess up and we will, we turn back to Jesus who will forgive us and receive us and put us back on that path that we steer off of. Yeah, it's a good word, man. Really good. I, I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm, you're getting loud yes and amens from me because um, I've really been confronted with that becoming a parent and some of the conversations my wife and I are having and realizing how easy it is to be like, oh, no, I saw my parents do that. I don't want to do that, you know, and being so reactionary yeah. to something else we saw instead of being like, how is God calling us to raise this kid, you right. know, and really um, like just setting a completely different standard instead of just trying to improve something. Um, I love that. I totally agree with it. Can you comment on because I, I think the decision making uh, piece is important. So I, I just want to circle back to it because what I'm observing, and I, I think before we hit record, you observe something similar, is men are actually a little bit afraid to lead these days, afraid to make decisions. Um, sometimes it's because the decision's unpopular. In some circles, it's like, oh, that's so chauvinistic, or you know what I mean? Like these terms are getting thrown at men quite a bit for things that I would say are just generally quite natural to men. Um, what do you think it looks like for a, a man to lead? And how does, um, for a man who is maybe married and wants to honor his wife and wants to honor the marriage, but also still, you know, find his role as the head of the home and making decisions, how do those pieces integrate or how do you discern that component of decision making in a way that's still healthy and biblical? Yeah, you know, the, it's just a crazy world we live in with the, the culture on what is even a man what is a woman and a lot oftentimes men get categorized into this this bucket right where it's not it's not good to be a manly man right or it's not good to because of some abuse or because of some things that have happened right we have to be careful that we don't just paint with a broad brush because god made men and women and there are there are beautiful things in both of the genders and so for men specifically in the church uh there is I think oftentimes, and I'm going to try to be careful not to paint all churches in a certain manner, but oftentimes in churches, what I see is it might be uh, the woman initiating. It might be the woman who's dragging the kids to church while the husband stays home. It might be a fact where there's not programs designed to for, for men to be engaged and to have have a kingdom perspective or to have a kingdom vision for what we're doing in the church, because church is not just showing up on Sunday for an hour, filling a seat and then going home and say like, all right, I did my checkbox for the week. Now I can just go and live in sin or just not read my Bible or just not do anything for the kingdom. And I think that's where men often, I mean, men love to rally behind a vision. Look at the you know famous movies like Braveheart, right? They'll give their life for a vision that's bigger than themselves. And oftentimes we take men in the church and we say, okay, you accepted Christ. Now that's it. That's it. Now you just, now what? Now what do I do? Yeah. Well, you just, you read your Bible for 30 minutes and you, and you pray for five minutes and, and you love people. Okay. What else? And oftentimes we look at it like a checklist. We look at it like, all right, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Okay. We'll go to church. Okay. I do. Okay. Go to small group. Eh, I don't really want to. Okay. Be in accountability. I tried that and I got hurt. And so we look at church, we look at our relationship with Jesus like this checklist, right? And I think men get turned off to that because we I, I want 
I, I think men get rallied around this fact that, okay, when you look at the kingdom of God, when Jesus came to heal, to set the captives free, to, to break people away from bondage and sin, I think men will rally behind the fact that, oh, God can use me to, to reach this person, to heal this person, to deliver this person. God can use me for that. I don't just have to be an observer and watch other people do this. Like I can be used by that. And I can see the, the, I can see these awesome stories. And what I've seen in my church and the the guys that I'm around and uh, we're seeing like this sparks of revival. I like to call it right now, these embers that we're trying to fan into something bigger because there's some men on fire right now. And obviously women too, we're just talking about men right now, but in one of our men's groups specifically, uh, we're seeing men that are uh, meeting all throughout the week that are going out, walking neighborhoods, praying for people. Uh, we're seeing men that are on fire in their jobs. We have one guy who's a barber and I have people that show up at my church all the time. And I'm like, how'd you hear about us? He's like, well, I went to get my hair cut. And 30 minutes later, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I mean, those are awesome stories where men are empowered wherever you're at. If you are a stay-at-home dad, or if you are in the corporate world, or if you work in ministry full-time, there is a place for you to be activated, to be in a kingdom mindset that you're not just at your job. You're not just, uh, I was in retail, right? I was in retail for many, many years. Uh, You know, it's not just about selling toilet paper and detergent. Like there is a bigger mindset at play when you understand the kingdom of God is not just about four walls at a church. It's about you being the hands and feet of Jesus, using your mouth, using your brain, using what God has instilled in you, the gifts and abilities he's given you to, to, to go and be the church. And oftentimes I think too, you know, we hear stories like that. It's like, well, I could never do that. Uh, That's just not my gifting. I can't tell people at random about it because I'm an introvert. Well, guess what? I'm an introvert too. I I actually am. And so when I preach on Sunday or when I go and evangelize, I just have to pray, okay, God, this is not something I would want to spend my Friday night doing. I would honestly rather be home playing video games or playing with my kids. Uh, But I'm doing this in the moment because I know there's a bigger vision at play than just me and my comfort. And church has become consumer Christianity, comfort, my comfort first. How is the the coffee? How's the air conditioning? And if I don't like one of those, I might just leave the church instead of, okay, there is a, there is a mission field at play. There is a harvest, but the laborers are few. I'm going to give God my yes. I'm going to give him my yes, even before he asks the question. And so if that means I have to pray for my waitress, if that means I have to give someone a hundred dollar bill, even though it might hurt in the moment. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to go where God leads me. And then the stories that will come out of that, I'm telling you, the stories are so exciting because God honors our yes. Yeah. Wow. That's good, man. Really, really good. So I, um, I want to switch into the conversation about the local church, which you've already kind of brought up. It's a really good segue. I think this is a really interesting crux, I guess, that we're kind of at in our society because we know that more people are leaving the church than ever before. Um, yeah. We know that some churches are doing really well, thriving. We know the persecuted church is actually thriving right now. Yeah. But in North America in particular, um, there's this general disdain, you know, and I'm, um, I'm amazed at how many people just don't know about the church and the Bible these days. Like, we really have entered that generation. Uh, like, I think they're calling it the postmodern era, right, where it's just yeah. like church is not normal. People don't know what church is. They don't know what the Bible is. And God is sort of mocked. And um, I, I think, you know, our listener base is not generally not in that category. I think most people listening uh, either are part of a local church or certainly have been and are really working hard in their relationship with God. But I think even in that contingent, there's still a lot of confusion about the necessity of the local church because yeah. people have had bad experiences. Uh, you can basically search uh, any day on Google and find a story about a, a new pastor that's had some scandal with money or sex or something else. And so I think people are are leery, you know, of, of the local church and, and um, maybe a little bit skeptical, maybe a little bit bitter, and maybe just a little bit unclear. Like, um, and I, I told you, like, we have clients who are like, hey, you guys speak so well of the local church, so that's great for you, but I just don't know how that fits into my picture because, you know, of X, Y, Z. And so I, I guess... Um, I'm wondering maybe as a starting point, you know, what what would you recommend for somebody who has been hurt by the local church 
what do you think a good process looks like to deal with the hurt and reach a place where they feel like they could actually trust the local church again? Yeah, that's a great question and very important for today because there is a lot of church hurt going around. If you've been in church for any number of years, more than likely you've experienced it on some level. And so I've experienced it. I've had church splits uh, where one Sunday we're meeting, next Sunday we're, we're the church isn't there anymore, right? And yeah. it's it's traumatic because you're like, oh, I thought I signed up for this. I thought the pastor was more than they were. Or um, once you kind of look behind the veil, you realize that, oh, pastors are human and uh, Christians don't often look like the Jesus they serve and don't often love like Jesus loved. And so what do you do with that? And uh, first of all, it's important to establish that Jesus died for his church, right? He died to establish his church, uh, that understanding that even in the book of Acts, everyone talks about, let's get back to the book of Acts because that was perfect Christianity. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you had all kinds of things happening, right? You had An Ananias and Sapphira who were struck dead because they lied about money. Um, you had Paul's letters to the Corinthians and um, all these churches about the sin in the church and like Paul established some of these churches and he's like, let's get back to the gospel that I preached to you. Even if someone else preaches a different gospel, he said, let them be damned. Right. So, so Paul is like very frustrated in some of his letters. And even James, James was a pastor in Jerusalem and the book of James is from a pastoral, uh, the brother, half brother of Jesus talking to the church. And he has some very fiery language for his church. Yeah. Um, so I think once we get out of the concept that that church should be, uh, this perfect thing where everyone looks like Jesus. Uh, first of all, expectations are important when you come into church. Uh, second of all, when you do pick a church, right, don't just pick it based on on your comfort or what you know, or even the denomination you grew up in. Like question some of those things mm -hmm. to the point where if if churches are dead, if churches are literally just about the Sunday morning experience, which more and more when I look at this, you know, it's we we put so much weight on the Sunday morning experience. And I call it experience because it's not even sometimes Sunday morning church. It's just an experience. It's I come, I feel good about myself and I leave and then rinse and repeat. I might be there next week or I might just attend once a month, whatever that looks like. And that's not, that's not church. Sunday morning is so important. It is important as a pastor, of course, it's an outreach. It's an evangelism tool. It's a way for people to get connected but there's so much more to church than that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, having an understanding of what church is, of course, is important when we go forward with church hurt, because the second part of that is to to recognize what, what we talk about when church hurt. I mean, of course, if there's abuse, if there is mismanagement of money, if there is infidelity, if there's some of these issues that happen in church, of course, like there needs to be a, a level of accountability and not just accountability, but how does the church react to that? Do they try to try to sweep it under the rug? Do they act like it never happened? Do they make sure that they uh, react in a way that uh, is honoring to the people that are still there and not just honoring to the person they don't want to throw under the bus? Yeah. Um, so understanding that, okay, this stuff will come up, this stuff will happen, but then what is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to do? Maybe in the midst of it, or maybe despite the fact that I've been hurt in the past. And maybe you need right. to take a season uh, when you're not at a church and reevaluate some things and get closer to God. Maybe God's calling you to that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like relationships, right? Where relationships break up and then, well, I'm not just not going to ever date again, but maybe I need to take some time and figure out more about me. And in this case, between you and God and your relationship with God. Um, but realizing that if you're looking for a perfect church, you're going to be looking forever, or at least when you step into a church, it will no longer be perfect because you are imperfect. Yeah. And so if we have that understanding going into it, we're going to have some more grace, I think, for those that are around us who sin, uh, because there are things that will happen in church that don't, that that might hurt in the moment, but don't mean you either need to leave the church over it. Um, interpersonal conflict is a big one, right? Someone wrongs you, someone says something about you, someone gossips through a prayer chain and disguises it like prayer, even though it's actually gossip. Um, and so there are things that will happen in church. Does that mean you leave the church? Well, Matthew gives us a good, uh, Jesus gives us a good uh, understanding in Matthew is you go to your brother or sister, you go to them to resolve the conflict. And then if they if that doesn't resolve it, you take it to the church leaders. Yeah. And then the church leaders uh, go from there. And I'll, I will tell you, and you've seen this too, is that how few people actually follow this, how few people actually go through with what Jesus said to do in this very situation with church conflict. But what happens is you have a, a conflict with your brother or sister. 
And then you'll go home and you tell your spouse and then their spouse will tell those, their small group and then their small group and just spreads like wildfire. And before yeah. you know, it, it's this huge issue where in the moment, moment, if you just went to your brother or sister and dealt with it and hashed it out and came to an understanding, it would have been done. It would have been over with, mm, So true. but too often we just let it fester and we let, uh, cause gossip empowers us. I mean, as much as gossip, we like, Oh no, I would never gossip. The people who do, and we've all been guilty to some level, I think is that it actually Gets you like, okay, I'm going to rally people around this cause because I know I'm right, of course. And then those people will hear from me and I'll have these juicy things to tell them. And now I all of a sudden have this like platform all of a sudden. It's like, that's kind of what gossip does. And why people don't actually go to the pastor or go to their brother and sister is because then they lose the power that gossip gives them. Yeah. So if I actually yeah. have to go and deal with this, then I no longer can gossip about it. And now the problem is <laughs> going to be resolved. And so it's just this, this tough thing where uh, that will happen and good leaders in church will help navigate those situations. And and so just to go back to hurt, if you have experienced hurt, know that um, you're not alone and that, that Jesus will never hurt you. Right. And even though people will, and and people that, uh, you know, will be on different walks, right. Think of a brand new Christian and and how much they have to learn and how much they have to grow and how much that even if they're still sinning might offend you or, um, you know, that's the other thing is church being an outreacher, people that walk in and still have some stains on them from their sin lives. Right. And the people that have been Christians for 40 years, like, oh, why is that person in my church? Right. And mm. so that's where a lot of the hurt comes from, too, is that we expect everyone to look uh, look like us. And, and church is about unity. It's not about uniformity. Uniformity means we all look the same. We all believe the same. We all I'll, I'll do this kind of stuff. And oftentimes we only have grace for people who sin like us because we all have some kind of sin. We all have something that we're dealing with. And yet uh, we look at other people and we judge them because they, they're dealing with something that we've never dealt with. And so we don't know how to love them. We just want to condemn them. Um, And so, and so some people hearing that was like, yep, that's why I'm not, that's why I don't go to church. You're, you're saying all the things, right. And, And that's not the point. The point is that the church is a beautiful relationship between Jesus and his bride, between Jesus, who he died for to establish the church, to give power to the church, to give authority to the church, the church, to be the mouthpiece for God, to go into the world and to reach those that are in darkness. And so there is a valuable uh, part of not just attending church, but being the church saying, okay, this church is not perfect, but I have giftings. I have things God's given me. How can I help? If you yeah. go to a church and you just say, how can I help? How can I be part of the solution, not part of the problem? If you go in with a humbleness that just says, I'm here to serve and I'm here, I'll, I'll speak up when I need to, or I'll bring it to the leadership. But in the meantime, I'm here to help. Um, and one more thing with that is that, you know, what? why does your church exist, right? If your church disappeared tomorrow, would your community notice? Would people around notice? Um, or would just the good Christians uh, be sad? Um, church should be reaching the lost. It should be doing things for the community. It should be doing things with benevolence. It should be doing things with mission and outreach. And so uh, being a part of that is really important. And I think, too, the, the vision and the mission of why church exists has to be what you rally around. Because what I see in our church is to make disciples and to serve our community is our mission, right? But then there's oftentimes a hundred different things that people will look at and pick one out and say, okay, this one right here, this is the reason I'm not going to go to your church anymore. And I'm going to look and I'm going to find a church that believes on a secondary issue or tertiary issue, which is not one of the primary tenets of the faith. And I'm not going to rally behind the mission of vision. I'm going to focus on this one little thing that, that I don't like. And I love this quote. And it's it's one of the things I say all the time is that in primary things, unity, in secondary things, liberty and in all things charity meaning in the primary tenets of the faith the primary tenets of orthodoxy that have lasted for generations and thousands of years those are the things we need to be unified around the best example of this is the apostles creed if you read that that's the things like we should be rallied around that 100 percent secondary issues is often what we divide about in the church and these are things we can debate about without needing to divide over things like the end times right things about uh, the gifts of the spirit things about healing or deliverance or um, once saved, always saved. Like these are things that whole denominations are started over. And yep. yet, and yet God's calling us to be, he, he, Jesus didn't die for thousands of denominations of church. He died for one church and man has gone through and said, nope, this is what we're focused on. This is what's important. We're going to make our own denomination for it. And we've been splintered since then. 
Um, and I think there's uh, the last part of that in, in all things charity, in all things and everything we do, we need to be led by love, both love yeah. and truth, because truth by itself can become hard if it's not softened by love and love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. And what you see online is people that are filled with, quote, truth, their truth. And the comments are just this vile thing where people look yeah. at it and they're like, oh, that's a Christian. I don't want any part of that because you don't have a relationship with the person. You're not filling those comments with love and you're only doing it to make yourself feel important because you are right in your own mind. And that's not what the church is either. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's very important with, you know, kind of the times we're in. Tim, what, what would you say or how would you help somebody reconcile a failed um, leadership issue? So um, I think people are hearing you on the imperfect church and we know that, you know, no church is, is going to have everything figured out. We know that even amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, there can be a lot of contentions, things handled poorly. Um I know, and I'm, I'm actually asking, like, I'm even asking on behalf of friends who maybe don't listen to this podcast, but just some of the stories that have been happening in my community, um, one church in particular that's really been devastated by the moral failure of a pastor and um, a myriad of responses. Some people really rallying and saying, this is the time to plug into the church and, and going gung-ho. Some people, that was the last straw. They're out of there. And a bunch in between of just like, do I switch churches? You know, do I stick yeah. around? Am I am I being unloyal or unfaithful if I leave the church now and look for something different? But they're also hurt. Um, any any advice uh, advice or guidance for people that are in that situation and trying to reconcile the moral failure of one of their leaders? Yeah, yeah, that's really tough, and and there's not one right answer for all of that. You know, depending on the situation, of course. I think when you look at I think I said this before, is how is the church responding to that moral failure? Is that person removed? Right. Is that person, uh, do they, are they honest with what happened? Uh, do they try to say, you know, this person will take a one month break and then be back and preaching and everything's normal again? Uh, depending on, upon the severity of it, uh, they might not, they might not need to come back, right? Uh, they yeah. might need to be uh, cast out and someone else replaced. Um, I think, you know, I think it was last year, Matt Chandler was stepped down because of some stuff that were said online. And I don't know all the details, but I, I appreciated the fact that the church pulled him aside uh, just based on some online comments that he was engaging with. And he even said, like, I was just not being pastoral. I was not. Uh, they were just dumb decisions. It wasn't like blatant adultery or anything. It was just some yeah. comments with another person. And um, I think in that case, it's better to just to be safe than sorry. And so in that case, they pulled him aside for a few months and then, and now he's back and uh, that, that allowed him some time to reflect, I think. And um, that's a good model. I think instead of waiting until, okay, it's just one comment now, but then that comment turns into a meetup and turns into, you know what? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think when you, when uh, there is accountability with the leadership, you can see those things that are coming and not just with leadership, anybody in ministry, any Christian, you have to be, have accountability around you. And I, I, I think of it like this, you know, if you have watchmen on the walls back at, in old castle times, right? You had people on the walls that could see when intruders were coming, because if there were no watchmen on the walls and if your doors were just open, the next thing you know, you turn around and there's an enemy in your fortress and you have no time to prepare. What a watchman does is it looks in advance and says, okay, there's danger coming. We need to prepare. We need to shore up our walls. We need to make sure that we're on guard before the enemy gets here. And that's what a, a accountability does in our life is because we often can't see ourselves for, for who we really are sometimes, right? Because we like to justify our own sin or we like to disguise it like, oh, well, I meant well, <laughs> even though I... I cursed this person out. I meant well, it was for their own good, right? And so yeah. um, accountability in our life will see those things, be like, no, you were actually a jerk. <laughs> you were actually not being uh, Christ-like in that moment. Uh, okay, well, uh, you know, if we listen to accountability, that's the other part of it. But we have to have those watchmen on our walls. Churches have to, uh, you know, have elders, have uh, pastors that, because uh, being a pastor can often be the loneliest job because who are you going to be vulnerable to? Who are you going to tell that you're actually struggling with these things because yeah. you can't tell their congregation because then they're like, oh, what? Why am I following you? You're supposed to be the perfect man of God that I'm following, right? Yeah. And even though that's not true, and even though uh, pastors should not be put on this pedestal of perfection, um, oftentimes it is a lonely road because unless you have like a network of pastors outside the church or a network of friends or a mentor, um, it's really hard, especially if you're at the top and senior pastor, to be able to share that 
oh, I actually struggled with less today. I didn't act on, on it, but I had these really sick ideas in my head. And, and I just want to confess that to somebody, right? Well, yeah. What pastor is going to, what pastor is going to really say that from stage, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think the more the pastor is open and, and the pastor in my church, like he's open with times he struggled with depression or, or things. And he, he will bring that up in his sermon. And I think it's important for people to see that is that mm. pastors struggle also, but if they're, if God's working through them and if they've worked past it and if they have accountability, like that's, an important thing so that it doesn't get to that point that we all look at on the news. Right. Yeah. Um, and so pray for your pastors, realize that they, they need your prayers. They need your encouragement. I can't tell you how often, you know, you'll, you'll preach a sermon and then, you know, the, the one person that says anything is about the verse you misquoted or, you know, the one minute out of the 45 minute sermon <laughs> that they didn't like, it's like, yeah. did you hear any of what I had to say? Like, is that really what stood, st- stuck out for you is, is having that, critical spirit enough to say that and so encourage them like i can tell you five people in my church who always encourage me no matter what i do and i love them for it because even in my mind it's like well no it wasn't that great but to them it's like (laughs) no i want to encourage you uh and they see the value and encouragement so encourage your pastors encourage leadership um be the voice of 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 reason be the voice of uh encouragement even if no one else is um but you know, how a church responds to those tough situations is going to mean a lot in whether you stay or whether you leave and not just how the church responds, but what God's calling you to do. If God says, all right, this is rough right now, there's light on the other side of this and you're going to be prop- a part of the solution to step into things. Um, that's something God might tell you also. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So obviously we're a, we're a podcast that focuses on helping men through sexual sin and pornography, especially uh, something that's quite rampant around the world, you know, that the church is not an exception to that. What what advice would you give to guys who maybe are looking to somehow integrate the local church into their recovery experience? Our adage here is like, the local church can't be everything for you, but it can be something in your recovery. And I think I think that's just where things are at. I definitely am dreaming about days where the local church could be like, you know, maybe a little bit more comprehensive in what they're offering. Um, And some churches, I suppose, are doing that, not to discredit them. But I think the majority are still like not totally sure how to handle the the porn epidemic and all that kind of stuff. Um, Any any guidance or pointers for guys who are like, okay, um, I hear you and this issue is really big in my life right now and I would love the local church to be a part of what I'm doing to tackle it. How can they integrate the local church? And maybe we'll assume that the local church is not overtly offering them something, you know, obviously I think it's, I think the stat at least at one point was about 7% of churches have something for guys in this area. Let's assume that guys are attending the other 93%. What are ways that they can still use the local church to benefit them in their recovery? Yeah, I love that question. Cause it is something that uh, regardless of programs, like the, the, the whole idea of lust and porn needs to be talked about in churches period. Uh and, from the stage, sure, but just like in small groups and accountability, just asking them tough questions. Cause you know, there's period in my period of my life, you know, being a young Christian when I, I struggled with it and I grew up a Christian, my dad was a pastor. And so here I am struggling with this thing and feeling condemnation for it and feeling like there's nowhere to turn and no one to talk to uh, because I'm this good Christian. And if I let anyone know, I won't be this good Christian anymore. And it's a lie because um, there has to be like clear lines of communication to be able to open that door to the question. And even if you, um, I just think even asking the question to somebody, Hey, how's your, how's your thought life going? Right. How's, how's this going? Like, I think even just that open door will allow people to be, um, like if they trust you, if you're in accountability with them, of course, not just a random stranger, but I think that that leading question is so important in men's groups or in small groups to be able to have that, that time. I mean, we started, uh, years ago, we started something called a covenant group where I just meet with five to six guys. And once a month, we just talk about what's going on in our work, what's going on in our personal life and our family life and what's going on uh, between us and God. And um, even more so than just like a couple small group or a church program where men go out and go whatever, uh, you know, together, um, that type of intimate group is so important because now the lines of communication are open to discuss those things. And so that may not be something the church starts like that. That could be something you and five guys or whoever get together and say, hey, we're going to meet once a week, once a month, and we're going to talk about these tough issues because we're all going to face them. Um, and that's what is important is realizing that you're not alone in this, is realizing how many people actually struggle with this, how many people have either 
moved past it and still have to keep up the fight daily? Or how many people are um, not there yet and need your support because you're past it now and now you can help them? Yeah. Uh, there's so much to that where, you know, the, whenever you start to isolate, whenever you start to feel like you're an island to yourself and you're the only person that deals with this issue, that's when it becomes dangerous because that's what Satan loves to tell us is that you're the worst, you're the worst Christian, you'll never get past this, you're the only one struggling with this. And those are lies that we have to combat. And so the battlefield is in our mind. That's where uh, not just with our flesh, but with with demonic influences, we're told to put on our spiritual armor for a reason, because we are in a battle. Satan is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, he's not a lion. Only Jesus is a lion of Judah. Satan's a snake. And so he'll try to slither in and try to get into uh, parts of our life where we don't want him. Uh, so if we're not on guard, then those types of things will overtake us. Uh, and so I think for the church to be aware of this issue and to not uh, hide it, to to make sure there's a healthy, um, either maybe a program or healthy lines of communication uh, is important. And, um, you know, I, I think, too, with this, is it's one of those things that uh, I just don't. It's crazy, right? When I struggled with it, right, you had to like sneak things. I uh, had to like watch something on TV when it came around. Uh, it's so prevalent now with the phone, uh, just technology. Uh, and we all know this, but I just think like th- this is a, the phone is a portal into like any world you want to go into right now. True. And yeah. um, I, it almost feels like the the problem is is getting worse. And so uh, that's where the church just needs to step up and not just say, oh, well, this is is not getting worse and to let culture dictate uh, what our values are. We have to stand in the gap and say, no, this is this is not God's best for you. This is not uh, the life that you're called to live. Uh, this will destroy your mind. This will destroy your, your marriage or your future marriage or future relationships. Uh, this is and I, I, that's why I love what you're doing. I love that you're offering practical solutions. I love that you're offering offering steps that people can be engaged with because, um, you know, apart from just either reading reading a book sometimes or trying to find a mentor, right? it's so hard to find a mentor, find accountability. You know, what are you going to go yeah. up and just ask a random guy, like, hey, can you mentor me? I'm struggling with porn. That's awkward for people. And so having avenues like, like what you offer is so awesome because people can... Um, you know, have that, that secrecy initially to, to reach out, but then like you plug them into accountability and you plug them into people who are going through it as well. Um, and so I think that's kind of just a multi-layered approach that the church needs to have is first of all, not ignore it, offer practical solutions. And then for Christians to step up and say, um, my church either doesn't offer this. I'd like to lead this. I'd like to, you know, ask my pastor if I can uh, start this, this group or this support group, um, and go from there. Don't just be this, the person that goes to the pastor, tells them all the things they do wrong, but to go up to them and say, Hey, I see we don't do this. Can I be involved? And I think yeah. that's a great, uh, great start. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, one other question on this front, I guess. So a lot of the guys that come to us also would like to get more involved in church, but feel prohibited because of their sin, you know, because they're struggling. Um, they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to feel like a hypocrite. Um, I think they're pretty noble reasons. And I, I guess I'm just curious what you'd say to someone like that who, who's like, oh yeah, I, I want to plug in. I want to, you know, maybe lead a small group one day or lead on the worship team. But, you know, I kind of got this problem with porn going on and I feel like I need to get this fully taken care of first before I can plug in. What would you say to somebody who's thinking that thing through? I'd say it's not completely wrong. I mean, I think there is an aspect where you do need to get it fully under control before you lead something per se. Uh, But the other aspect of it is there's nothing to say you can't show up to things. There's nothing to say you can't volunteer for things. I think maybe the distinguishing between leading something and helping people through it when you're not through it yourself has to be established, but also to know that there's ways to get involved and there's ways to do things uh, even while you're still struggling with it. And I, I mean, you know this better than I do. The fact that it's not just this magic fix where all of a sudden I'll never deal with it again. Like it is a lifelong process even to say no to these things. Um, And so once you're out of, I think out of the woods, right out of dealing with it, with this intensity, then you're dealing with this with like a lower level of, okay, I know it's still there if I wanted it. And I know I have to say no to it. And so as you come out of this into recovery, um, I mean, what, what would you say to that? Just, I'm curious is there's different probably levels of how strong, 
of the urges are versus, okay, I have it manageable, but I still can't ignore that. I, I struggled with this because if I just think I'm out of the woods, that's when, you know, the temptation comes in and like, bam, gotcha. Right. So, yeah. So I'm curious, just maybe a quick perspective of yours on that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the greater the responsibility you have, the greater consideration you have to give the conversation. Like you brought up Matt Chandler earlier and like, I don't think anybody has to step down from leading a small group for dealing with the issue that Matt Chandler stepped down for. But yeah. given his platform and his level of responsibility, I think it was very wise of them, you know, to take that into consideration. So I agree with you. Like you can always, there's always a way you can contribute. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There's always a way you can plug in if you want to. Um, you just need to discern number one is, is it right for you in the season? And then number two is the level of responsibility appropriate for where you're at in your journey. And that's where, you know, some of the stuff we talked about earlier for finding a good local church, I think can really be beneficial so that you have the right leadership that's guiding you through those conversations and making sure that you get put in a place that's appropriate and that's not going to, you know, be too much for you. Yeah. And I think replacing, right. If you're going to take away something, right. If if this has been a, been a big part of your life, you know, I, I spent hours looking at porn, right. You can't just eliminate that and have this big gap in your life. You have to replace it with something. Otherwise you're just going to sit around and be like, Oh, I really wish I was doing this right now. And I just have to wait this out. Oh, I mean, pick up your Bible, do something productive, right. Have a, have an activity. That's where church comes in. I think that's where, when I, when I went back and I said about this vision that men should have of being uh, invested in not just the church, but the mission of the church. I mean, that's a perfect replacement for this Mm, because then you're not just thinking of yourself and your, your wants and, and your, you know, needs in the moment. You're thinking about the the person who's who's lost and addicted to drugs in your community, who you can be the light to, who God yeah. can use you to. I mean, we've seen this as we've walked our communities. There was a there was a people that were smoking weed outside, and uh, there was a prophetic word for one of them from the group that was walking around, and they threw away all of their drug paraphernalia. They put it in a trash bag. They gave it to the the men to uh, throw away, and wow. uh, and they gave their life to Christ. I mean, those are the kinds of things that like. <laughs> We'll rally around. I mean, I want to. I want to see that. I want to see that every day if I can. But yeah. if those people were not out of their comfort zone, walking the community, praying for the community, um, being bold enough to put w- what God was leading them to say, uh, wouldn't have had a story like that. And so I think going back to the vision of saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to get out of my, you know, these four walls or those areas that you kind of gravitate towards that uh, can be uh, a trap. I'm going to, I'm going to step out of that. I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to go um, hang out with some friends. I'm going to go and just pray. Even if I don't talk to anybody, you can walk a community and just pray for the community. Um, if if you don't want to actually engage uh, with that conversation. So all those are things I would say of just a, a good, healthy outlets to kind of uh, work through the recovery. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. Tim really appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time today. Uh, for people who want to find out more about what you're up to and maybe uh, check out some of your content, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, my podcast, Eyes on Jesus, uh, with Drew and Tim. I, I have a co-host named Drew. He's awesome, and we have some great conversations on there. I have three books you can find on Amazon as well as uh, at discerning-dad.com. Okay, amazing. Yeah, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. In the meantime, God bless, man. We're cheering you on and appreciate your time here today. Thanks. Awesome to be here. Well, there you have it. That was Tim Ferrara, and I really um, I appreciate Tim. You know, I like his heart. I like what he's going after, and I made a couple notes for myself just on making decisions in the future uh, as well. So uh, appreciate him. Go check out his podcast, Eyes on Jesus. And I will tell you, you know, um, I, I've been quiet about some of the changes we're making here. But I, I like podcasts like his where there, there's a co-host dynamic. I think that's really special and um, and he's got something good going on there. I know that for me, the podcast I listen to all have co-hosts. And so um, we're not adding a co-host to the show, but I am, I am uh, working on a segment that's going to have um, – another participant. We'll put it that way. And, uh, and I'll fill you guys in on some more details as those develop. Now, if you did listen to this, you know, maybe especially if you're a father and you're hearing Tim talk about, you know, walking in integrity and being active in the local church and seeking freedom and healing and recovering, and you don't know how to get there, or maybe you've tried to get there and you were unsuccessful. 
My specialty is helping guys like you. Uh, I started a program five years ago called Deep Clean. We have helped hundreds of men from around the world quit pornography successfully, get their marriages back on track, step further into their calling, regain their confidence, you name it. And I would love for you to consider our program. It's not for everybody. And so I don't try to make it sound like we're the be all end all. There's tons of great programs out there. And I'm not even asking you to click the link and sign up. Um, What I'm really asking is if you're in that position, you're struggling, you know that you need to do something and you need to do something different, um, check us out. Click the link and go see what we're about and take a look and see if it makes sense for you. So there's a link in the show notes. Um, it says book a call with Cynthia's team um, and you can you can book a call. You can see if what we have is, is um, a fit and uh, we'll send you some videos before the call as well. So you know if you did watch the videos and you're like, okay, this isn't really what I'm about, you can always cancel the call as well. No harm, no foul. Um, but the link is in the show notes. We do have limited slots available. So if you see one, I recommend you take it. And if there's nothing available there, check back in a week or two. We should have some slots opened up. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing day. I'll talk to you guys soon. Stay clean. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance and insight in your recovery journey i highly recommend subscribing to unleash the man within thanks for listening i look forward to connecting with you very very soon the information opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast by sathya sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical clinical or any other form of professional advice any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk